Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker uh, coming to you from some street somewhere here in the uh, Gainesville, Florida area. Joined by the full staff here, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, and Ben McKee to discuss uh, a game that probably deserves a podcast recorded in the car. A 29-16 defeat by the Tennessee Volunteers at the Swamp. The Vols go down for the 10th consecutive time uh, at Florida. The the a game that Tennessee was favored to win, a game that Tennessee spent part of the first quarter looking like uh, the team that might win the game, and then self-destructed for a while, as it has done so, so, so many times in Gainesville over the years. Uh, like I wrote in the column, if Tom Petty won't back down and Tennessee won't win in Gainesville, it's just kind of how it goes, fellas. I guess just uh, thoughts? Thoughts uh, are not good thoughts, uh, I think. We had a, a good chunk of this football team pegged wrong. Uh, they, they just got beat up in, in the trenches today, and, and that kind of set the tone uh, for the rest of the game. Uh, we, we could go on and on and on about what all went wrong, but I, I think ultimately uh, it, it started there and, and, and then kind of bled over into other areas. Uh, hard not to, to mention penalties kind of right off the bat uh, as well. Ten for 70-something yards, eight of them. Uh, were on the offensive side of the football, and, and a good chunk of them were pre-snap penalties. I, I thought the, the passing attack looked better physically, but I didn't know that it was all that great mentally, and I'm sure we will get into to Joe Milton and, and his performance. But, uh, Ryan, I, I thought they, they kind of got beat up in the trenches on both sides of the ball, uh, and then the pre-snap penalties being undisciplined just, just kind of ruined it from there. Well, well, let's be real. It looked a lot like the last nine losses at the Swamp for Tennessee. Uh, each team's different. You know, each team has its own unique characteristics, and, and this team's not, not identical to any of those previous teams. But the, the one common thread in there is that Tennessee kind of pees down its leg a lot of times at the Swamp. And there was, there was definitely some of that tonight, and I, I didn't see that coming. Um, I, I thought this team would um, – first of all, I thought they were just a better team than Florida, so I'm a little surprised that they – um, didn't have any answers defensively. That that to me was the biggest shock of the game. I'm not surprised Tennessee's offense had some had some struggles that they weren't, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage on on the offensive side. That they 
um, that the passing game was inconsistent. But for the, for them to not be able to slow down um, what was mostly a short passing game and, and running game that kept Florida moving offensively throughout the first half um, just just kind of stunned me. I thought I thought Tennessee's defense might have a little more trouble than they'd had the first two games, but just never saw it being being quite at that level. Um, so so yeah, it's a team that. You know, made mistakes uh, in, in in a lot of different ways. You know, didn't have three or four turnovers, but had had one costly one, obviously, with the Joe Milton interception, uh, and, and had the uh, had the pre-snap penalties and other things that have that have kind of been a, a common thread in these games. And this is three straight games now on the road in tough environments that Tennessee's lost going back to last year. Um, so this is a, a program now that seems to be having some trouble, um, and and with good reason. Home field advantage is a thing for you know for a reason, but uh, they're, they're having trouble winning games in environments like this, and, and the, the Swamp was a pretty rowdy place tonight, obviously, that, um, it, that that got even tougher to play in as things started to go well for Florida. So just a game that you know got away from Tennessee the way many of these have over the past two decades, and uh, and it's a, it's a Tennessee team that's now got to ask itself some serious questions and figure out how to how to turn things around because they, they didn't look good on really either side of the ball. Yeah, I, I thought that We'll probably spend, uh, I would imagine, at least a, a healthy chunk of the second segment probably discussing Joe Milton because that's its own discussion, and I think a lot of people will have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but I think Tennessee lost that game because it lost the line of scrimmage, and I think Tennessee lost that game because it wasn't disciplined enough, and I think Tennessee lost that game because it absolutely could not get off the field on third down in the first half. Florida was 7 of 8, I believe on third down in the first half. And I'll, I'll tip my cap to Graham Mertz because he, he was better than than I think a lot of people thought he might be. Like a lot of Florida quarterbacks over the years, he saved his absolute best performance for Tennessee because why not? Uh, a couple of the throws he made there, especially in the first half, just absolutely perfect. You, you can't really defend them. Um, you can't really defend some of those throws that he made. They were fantastic throws. But there were also just, just plays where Tennessee had opportunities to get off the field it could not do it. And I, there were just so many plays that you go back and think about where Tennessee could have made a play, and it did not make a play. Defensively, did not make a play. Offensively, did not make a play. Offensively, a lot of plays got blown up before they were started. A lot of pre-snap penalties, a lot of holding calls. I do not think that game was officiated uh, about as well as a game could be officiated. It obviously was not. I still think Tennessee could have, should have won that football game. And I don't know exactly what all of the issues are, but there are issues. And the bottom line for me is this, Ben. Tennessee, if you want to be a championship caliber program, you have to take your show on the road. You cannot just play well in your backyard. You can't do that. If you, No matter how good you are at home, you want to win a championship, guess what? You're playing four SEC games on the road every year. You got to go win those games. In the last three times Tennessee's had a losable game on the road, it has lost them. And Hendon Hooker was out of that game last season in South Carolina. That game was already lost when he got hurt. So they got to be able to take this show on the road. I don't know if it's communication. I don't know if it's the plan going into it. Ben, something's got to change there. Absolutely. I, I do think part of it is the communication because they did not communicate well at Georgia last season. Uh, and it led to a lot of pre-snap penalties, like you said, tonight. Uh, or like we saw tonight, and going back to an earlier comment, I, I don't think that uh, the, the offense was was kind of run efficiently based off of Joe Milton, and, and we'll dive into that conversation later. Um, but the crowd noise is impacted in, what, three straight road losses now between Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. 
Uh, Florida was absolutely rocking tonight. It, it surpassed my expectations, Florida fans. That is, the, the swamp was was very, very loud, and, and the press box was swaying at a couple of different points uh, after some Florida scores. Uh, but they've got to get that figured out. Uh, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like, that, that LSU win was very, very impressive, winning the way that they did on the road and taking the crowd out of it early. But they've still yet to win in the type of environment that they played in tonight. They, they've had issues with this offense, communicating, and, and that leading to the pre-snap penalties in these raucous environments that we've seen at night. I know Georgia wasn't at night, but number one, number three, kind of college football playoff implications on the line at the time. Like that place was absolutely nuts as, as well. So they, they've got to get that figured out. And it was just a really uncharacteristic night. Uh, yes, we may have seen the pre-snap penalties before because of communication issues, but just encompassing a lot of issues tonight that were uncharacteristic of what we've come to know from a Josh Heupel coached football team at Tennessee. They got punched in the mouth. Well, it was kind of weird. They threw the first punch after Amari Thomas blocked Florida's field goal attempt on their first position possession of the game. And then Tennessee comes back down and easily marches down the field. And, and you're thinking, okay, Tennessee might run away with this thing. Or it might be a sign of things to come. And then Florida punched right back, especially all throughout the second quarter. And Tennessee just had no answer to Florida punching and kind of seemed to, to tuck its tail throughout that first half and, and second quarter. I mean, they got punched in the mouth and didn't really do anything about it. And that, I think, surprised me more than anything tonight. Yeah, and, and that, that is that is surprising. And I, I again, I just, I didn't think Florida could do what it did in the first half, which is, you know, just kind of nickel and dime its way down the field with you know, <laughs> one pass after another, one third down conversion after another um, for a team that didn't really do a lot of stretching the field. I just thought Tennessee wouldn't give up that many plays and they just repeatedly couldn't get off the field on defense so that um, that you know again I'm not I'm not shocked when a team has trouble with you know playing in an environment like the one Tennessee had to face tonight I'm not shocked when there's a mistake or um, or something that, that that changes a game I am shocked when a defense just repeatedly can't get stops and I you know for me the the big thing going forward is how much of this is you know mistakes that are correctable and how much of this is Tennessee's roster just maybe maybe this is an indication, a reminder that this roster is still a work in progress and that even though Tennessee has some talent, I, I thought a, a team that's frankly toward the bottom of the SEC just kind of pushed Tennessee around tonight at times. And that's, that, that's to me, maybe a, a bit of a referendum on, on where Tennessee is talent-wise. And, and we'll see maybe in, in the coming weeks, you know, how much of that's a, a concern going forward and how much of this is sort of a one-off. But, but to me, it, it calls into question, is this roster as far along as we thought it maybe is? Because they, they just didn't look like, I thought they were, convincingly the better team going into this game and by, the, by halftime I was really questioning that I actually still think I would rather have Tennessee's roster than Florida's I, I, I'm not going to put I, I'm not going to put a lot of what happened in that game on talent because Tennessee just didn't give itself a chance when Tennessee gave itself a chance Tennessee was right there when Joe Milton had a little bit of time to throw the ball made the plays he needed to make a lot of those tackles they're just one-on-one -on -one right there. You get your hand on him, you tackle him. That, that's not thats not so much – if it happens a couple times in the game, maybe you say the other team had a good – guy made a good play. No, I mean, it's just when you look at the tackle attempt by Kamal Haddon on that long touchdown run in the first quarter, that is unacceptable in every way something can be unacceptable. And I don't know 
why he got back on the field as much as he did in that game. Because if I'm a coach, and I'm not a coach, none of us are, but if you're watching that play, you've got to be a little bit disgusted by that. You, you have to. You have to make that play. A couple other guys missed tackles too tonight, but that play in particular, when you are the last guy and there's 40, 50 yards of empty space behind you and you do that, like you just can't, you can't do that. It, it, it's not, it, it's not okay. That That's not a talent thing. That's not, I mean, that's th- things like that are not talent. Moving before the snap, that's not talent. Not, that, the, these, these were not talent things. Florida's roster, I do not believe is better than Tennessee's. Tennessee lost this game and should have won it. I believed that Tennessee's roster was not better than Florida's coming into this football game, but it, it's hard not to maybe think that it's very, very similar. I, I don't, That's what I, I would don't, say. Yeah. I don't really know who has the better roster. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that Tennessee has a better roster when Florida's offensive line completely dominated a, a Tennessee defensive front that I thought was really good. It, it's clearly not as good as I ex- thought that it was. I pegged that wrong. Uh, and I had also pegged Tennessee's offensive line play wrong as well. I, I thought they were further ahead based off of what they were able to do against uh, a fairly solid Virginia defensive line that had a ton of veterans, and that did not translate whatsoever. Uh, the, 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 the line of scrimmage, I mean, just completely got abused on, on both sides of the ball. And I know I just mentioned that the way Tennessee got punched early and kind of didn't respond in the second quarter was my biggest surprise. Maybe I need to reel that in a little bit because Tennessee did keep fighting throughout the second half and and they had plenty of opportunities it put itself in plenty of opportunities to potentially pull off a miracle win they just did not execute when they did get into position and a team that gives up obviously is not in those situations so uh kind of reeling that comment back in i guess the more surprising thing was the way that the offensive line and the defensive line just repeatedly got pushed around. The D-line did kind of clean it up there in the second half. They were much better, but I mean, Florida was just completely blowing the defensive line of Tennessee off the ball to start the football game. And ETN and Johnson, they were making guys miss left and right. And I agree with your thoughts on Kamal Haddon West, but the problem is it was several Tennessee defenders that were missing tackles, and that is ability. So when you factor in both plays of, of line of scrimmage and, and the missed tackles, yes, pre-snap penalties and, and penalties in general were a huge issue, but I, I don't know that I believe what I believe coming into this game that Tennessee definitively has a, a better roster or has a better roster at all. Yeah, I, I just think Tennessee is, yeah, like, like you said, Ben, I would put them kind of on the same level maybe talent-wise as Florida. I'm not saying Florida's got a better roster. I just, I, I think this is maybe a reminder that Tennessee is still a work in progress. Is that okay? This is year three for Heifel. Is that okay? Is that okay? Well, what I was going to say is I think I think last year Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, just those few special guys they had kind of kind of made us think that the roster was further along than it was. And so I think now you, you see a lot of future NFL players potentially on this team, but they're they're not starters in a lot of cases. You know, I think some of the most exciting talent on this team is still the second and third team guys. So I, I think that's the, this to me is is just a reminder that hey, I, I kind of thought going into the year that was the big story of this team. How many of these seniors that have played a lot of football for them can be all SEC type players, and how many are just okay SEC players? I, I think so far, based on what we've seen, they've got a lot of just okay SEC players. Um, not saying all of them fit in that category, but many of them do. And not too many of these guys are going to be early draft picks, you know, that are starting for Tennessee right now. So they've they've got to continue to upgrade the roster. But yeah, that, there's a lot for Tennessee to, to work on, and that's the big thing that's going to come out of this. Is you know they they've got I I, th- I thought there were 
you know, obviously you can always point to play calling. I thought Tennessee got away from the run too much in the first half. I thought they didn't run, stick with, with the running game enough and could have could have had a more effective offense and just kind of got out of their game. I think Florida's long drives took Tennessee out of its game, both mentally and approach-wise. In a lot of ways, they just, you know, Florida keeping the ball as long as they did, it, it just messed up Tennessee's offense after a good start, I thought. Uh, and, then, and then, yeah, they got affected by the environment and things kind of snowballed on them. They've got to learn to show more composure. There's plenty for them to work on in a lot of facets. The pre-snap penalties, obviously, will be a focus and, and Brew McCoy I think it's a positive that Brew McCoy said hey this is you know th- this is not acceptable and you know I've uh, it, it's you know it kind of made sound like it made him reassess you know things or or it's going to change his approach maybe going forward a little bit or or make him sort of rededicate himself and, and he thought some other players on the team would, would rededicate themselves as well to, to fixing this and that it would be a wake-up call for the team and that's what you want to hear three games into the season obviously so we'll see can they learn from this and get a lot better but i i I did come away from this game feeling this team has maybe a, a few more limitations talent-wise, but it's it's not a very good SEC is the flip side of that, and I, I think there's still a lot of winnable games on Tennessee's schedule. I just I don't think this game happens the way it does unless Tennessee has some talent deficiencies that we didn't think they did coming into the game, and I, I think that's kind of what happened. I think Florida, you know, like Ben said, they, they had some really good runs, and lines of scrimmage uh, were really good, and, and, and that's because they were they were just about as good as Tennessee, if not better, in some of those areas. I just think if, if talent's the issue, then we need to start having slightly different conversations. I think we need to be honest about that. that I think sense. that that's not – this is the third year that Josh Heupel's been at Tennessee. Napier hasn't had that much time at Florida. If these if this is what you want – I mean, it, it, I, I don't think – I think Tennessee's got a better roster than Florida. I think Tennessee's got to win that game. I think we all agree there are issues. I just think – if y'all think that, that talent is a big issue, then I think it's a slightly different conversation. I, I would say Tennessee has a slightly better roster. I, I would think that for sure. But I don't think it's as good as we thought it was coming into this football game. No, I mean, I guess there were red flags out there. And also, Heupel started further behind Napier. Yeah. Like, Nap- this Florida roster, it, it certainly lacks talent, but Napier took over a better situation than Heupel took over. I mean, I, I would look at – it was also last year was the first year for Napier, and and you saw some of those losses. But I, don't, I mean, it's just hard to it's hard to square that. I mean, there, there are some things about this game that are that I think are are hard to square. But again, if you're just judging Tennessee seasons throughout your life by how things went against Florida, then this Tennessee program <laughs> sucks. If you're just judging it by how it goes against Florida, the whole thing sucks. Let's I mean, just, to your point, Tennessee should have won the football game. We're, we're, we're certainly not trying to to say that this was a golden opportunity like we previewed coming into the game uh, and, and they, they squandered it they, they peed down their leg they, they were not ready for the moment uh, I, I agree that Tennessee should have won the game West for sure but again I just don't know that it was the roster the team I just don't think they're as good as we thought that they were coming in mostly in the line of scrimmage especially up front defensively yeah, and I think we need to have a lot more discussions about that. And I think in our Monday podcast especially, that'll be a good time to reframe sort of exactly where things are, reset some expectations, go back and think about some things we've written and said and and, and really have a, a thought on where things are right now compared to where we thought they might be and what might be possible and what not. I was going to go to break, Brian. You got something? Well, I'll just say real quick before we get into to further discussions in the second segment on, on some more detailed stuff. I think this game is just sort of – it, it's a it's a throwback to a lot of past Florida games in the sense that it's a reminder you really learned nothing about either team um, in, in three of their first four games. You know, t- Florida played Utah, and you learned something about them in that game. But otherwise, McNeese State for them, 
Virginia and Austin P for Tennessee, you didn't learn much about how good these teams were based on that. And that's what makes this game always so hard to predict because neither team in some years has tested before this and, and at best one team has tested before this game. So it's always such an intriguing matchup, so much excitement because it really is the first true test for, for each team. Uh, it, to me, it's going to be sad to see this game kind of fall off the schedule. I'm sure Tennessee fans aren't sad <laughs> about that not being an annual thing here soon, quite possibly. But, um, but it's always exciting because you have that unknown going into the game. And this, to me, was a reminder that you just didn't learn a lot about either team because I think, like you said, you kind of can reset expectations a little bit based on this. But at some point, Tennessee teams are going to have to stop coming down here early in the season with a lot of confidence and leave saying that a lot of things are problematic that they didn't think were. Uh, at some point, you you got to fix that. You, if this game keeps being played mostly on most seasons, then they, they got to fix that or else the ceiling on this program will remain a firm one. Uh, if you want to get back to where you want to be, you can't do it. You just can't. We've got a lot more to discuss. Uh, I'm sure you all are just dying to hear it after this one. Um, but we are going to talk about Joe Milton III because, you know what, Tennessee fans are going to be talking about Joe Milton III. And I think some of it's fair, some of it might not be, but you know what, it's all going to be discussed. So we're going to take a quick break, step away, pay some bills, listen to uh, product services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Govals 24-7 CarCast hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, we got the full crew here, Wes Rucker and Ben McKee and Ryan Callahan and Patrick Brown coming to you from Interstate 75, headed back to our hotel before we go in there and uh, get home, uh, not home, but back to the hotel, finish the night's work, uh, get a few hours sleep, and then get right back on the road and head to Knoxville on Sunday. So that's why we're recording this podcast uh, the way we're doing it. Apologies if it doesn't sound the way they normally do, but that's life. You know what? You didn't get the football game you wanted tonight either, so deal with it, right, everybody? Just deal with it. Uh, but we got a lot to discuss in seriousness, and we're going to do that. Uh, after, just a quick reminder for me, if you could go in there, uh, please take just a few seconds out of your day. Go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We see the numbers. They're growing every single month, and they're growing because y'all are doing this, and we love you for it, and we thank you for it. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, that's fine. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you rate, review, subscribe, and you go tell your friends. Go tell the people in your family. Go tell everybody. Please go do all those things. Okay, guys. Joe Milton III. If I were to make, and this is me. There's four of us here. This is just me. If I were to make a list of, like, the top five to ten things that I think were really, really problematic for Tennessee tonight. 
for me, Joe Milton's performance is not on that list. I think he could have played better. I also think he made some throws in this game that a few, if any, college quarterbacks can freaking make. He also did some really good things in this game. If you want to talk about the entire administration of the offense and some of these issues, that being a problem, okay, maybe so. If you want to talk about some of the RPO decisions, things like that, maybe you could go back and look at film and see some of those things. Um, But I do not think he is the problem. I don't think he's an insurmountable problem, if anything. I don't think you make a move right now. I don't think you even think about making a move right now. That's just me. Yeah, I agree with what you said at the end there, that I, I would not make a move right now, and I'm really not even thinking about making a move either. I, I do think he is part of the problem. Uh, I, I don't think there is a one single problem on the offensive side of the football right now. I, I think there are multiple issues, uh, and, and quite frankly, I, I think they're all weighted pretty equally. Although after tonight, uh, I, I kind of went hard after the defensive front and, and how poorly they performed, at least to what I thought they were coming into this football game, the offensive line was even worse. They they, they were just really, really bad. Uh, it, it's clear that, that they are missing Cooper Mays. He, he was not able to, to give it a go. Uh, you three were correct in not buying into the Josh Heupel positive propaganda, and I was incorrect. I was wrong reading in between the lines there on Cooper. Uh, he was ultimately not able to, to give it a go. Uh, and I, I think that absolutely contributed to the pre-snap penalties because the center in this offense, and I'm not at all putting it all on Ollie Lane, but the center plays a huge role in making sure everybody's set and, and ready to go and, and this and that. So it's hard not to look at that and Cooper missing and not think that that played a, a huge role. But also, uh, J.J. Crawford really struggled tonight. Gerald Mincy did not play. Uh, Josh Heupel said after the game that they decided to, to roll with uh, Jeremiah Crawford coming into it, and that was that. Gerald Mincy's in the doghouse. It'd be nice if he wasn't in the doghouse because I think he's the better right tackle, but that just kind of is what it is, and, and it resulted in to, to some negative yardage for Tennessee because Crawford was in there. Uh, and it, was, it wasn't just him. There were multiple offensive linemen who had pre-snap penalties, uh, but kind of tying that into Joe, it is Joe's responsibility to make sure that everybody is lined up when he's ready to snap the football and lined up correctly. And he he so far has not really done a great job of making sure the offense operates smoothly. Uh, that was the one thing that I think Hendon did best is the way he operated as a CEO, as the leader, as the quarterback of the offense. It was always outside of the Georgia game and before he got hurt against South Carolina it was always so smooth and when Joe is in there it doesn't feel smooth it feels very labored to use what Patrick Brown said after the game when he asked questions in the in the interview room it just feels out of whack Ryan and so I don't think that Joe played poorly physically I think he played poorly mentally and I think that's where he really needs to take a step forward and try and get this thing back on track because he, he, he plays as, yes, he's not the one maybe jumping off sides or, or whatnot, but he is in charge of making sure everybody is lined up on sides and, and on time when he's lining up behind center. I'll, before I give the microphone to Ryan, I'll just say I think that if you're lined up before the snap and a tackle or guard moves early, I don't think that has anything to do with the quarterback. I, I, I just I, – I, I mean, there's I one play when J.J. Crawford is trying to get set and he snaps it before he gets set. That's on the quarterback. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I, I'll say this. I, th- 
I think it's two separate discussions. Uh, is is the quarterback an issue to the point that Tennessee needs to make a change at quarterback? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Uh, I think you you saw some moments tonight that explain why Joe Milton is still the starter. You know, he made some tremendous throws at time. That that throw down the seam to Dante Thornton is as good of a throw as you'll ever see a college quarterback make. I mean, that was phenomenal, and Thornton made a, made a nice play on that. Um, the deep ball to Bruce McCoy. I mean, I, I thought even some of Joe Joe Milton's swing passes to guys out of the backfield were really smooth. You know, he just had he was he was sharp on a lot of throws. But it's the decision making. It's the way the offense operates. To Ben's point, it's it's everything kind of all together. It just feels kind of clunkier overall than what we're used to seeing out of Tennessee. And and there are some things that Joe Milton still needs to be doing better. Um, so yeah. Can, can Joe play better? Absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of things they still need to, to improve on. I, I also just, just kind of wonder, and I've, I've felt this after each of the first two games, I just wonder how much better Joe Milton can get at this point. I don't know how much more we can see to his game that we haven't seen already. He's a six-year senior, you know, it, and so the question might just be, how can Tennessee use what they're getting out of Joe Milton to win games? And that's not to say he can't improve on things week to week. He can, but is it going to be a a vastly different guy from what we've seen before. No, and that's that's where the fans' frustration comes from, and I totally get that. Um, that that you're just seeing the same things over and over from Joe Milton in, in a lot of ways, and the and the results are just similar every week. They're not great, they're not terrible, besides the one interception tonight, but they're not great. And so you want to see something different. But who's to say that if you did make a change, that a freshman who's three games into his college career and has played in one of them is going to give you anything better. So that, that's a whole different discussion. But to me, yes, Joe Milton is you know, part of the problem in the sense that I don't think anybody on the offense is playing at a high level. But is he the, the reason Tennessee's offense didn't do more tonight? No, certainly not even – I wouldn't even say the biggest reason. I didn't like – I didn't love Tennessee's game plan aside from that opening drive, uh, at least in the first half, or how they approached things in the first half offensively. Their offensive line wasn't good, like Ben said. The, the receivers, you know, mixed results there again. I thought better maybe, but not, not great. So just – it just wasn't a good offensive performance all the way around, and Joe Milton's going to take the blame because he's a quarterback, and that's the most important position in the game. But he was far from the only problem Tennessee had tonight. I just think if you're if Tennessee's defense allows Florida to go seven of eight on third down in the first half, I don't see what that has to do with Joe Milton. Uh, if receivers don't catch passes that are right there to be caught. I don't think that's on Joe Milton. The list of things that I have concerns about losing at the line of scrimmage, not on Joe Milton. I think if you want Joe Milton to be Hendon Hooker, you're going to be disappointed 11 times out of 10. He is not Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, what he did last season, he played quarterback about as well as you can play it at the college level. He was absolutely phenomenal. Should have been in New York City. He made he turned bad plays into magnificent plays he was fantastic joe milton is not going to do a lot of the things hendon hooker did but but joe milton didn't miss tackles tonight you know joe milton didn't not make plays in in the open field Uh, there were a couple decisions that he made on throws that i didn't love but uh, every quarterback i've ever seen play every game i'm going to go back and look at five or six throws and say i don't know if that's the best decision you probably could have gone somewhere else with it um, maybe some of the, maybe some of the procedure stuff is him. Maybe some of the RPO stuff, if it doesn't go where it needs to go, is him. Um, but I, I I look at the lack of touches for for certain people and and some of the clunky stuff. I just think I I don't think that's Milton. I think we're being unfair. It is so easy to go in there and say, oh, I'll just change the quarterback. Bama did that. How the hell did that go? 
I, it's just not always the answer. Maybe it is the answer, but you get that card to play one time. One time in a season, you can make a quarterback change and you can get everybody kind of back on the bus, get fans a little feeling better, give the, the team feeling like they got a chance. This ain't the time to do that. You get one time for that. You lose a couple more SEC games, go ahead and do that. Lose to UTSA next week, go ahead and do that. Maybe you can do that then. I just have zero reason to believe that's the best thing for Tennessee right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, again, I, I would not bench Joe Milton. I, I'm not really thinking about that right now. Uh, oftentimes prevented Tennessee from, from taking shots down the field. Everybody was kind of wondering why they're not forcing the football down the field more, and I get that, but it's, it's hard to, to throw it deep, and those plays take a little more time to develop, and, and it's hard to run developing plays when you don't have protection. Uh, it, it was The offensive line made it harder for Joe Milton to do his job when, when he was dropping back to throw the football, uh, and I still thought he threw it well. He, he made several great throws tonight. You mentioned the one to Dante. The one prior, he threw a beautiful deep ball to Dante, like, 80 yards down the field, the DB just made a, a really nice play on it. Uh, the the one to Keaton. Keaton had a nice release at the line of scrimmage for the touchdown, but Joe absolutely dropped it in the bucket. Steve Spurrier probably liked that one. There were a couple of throws he dropped in the bucket. Again, like I said earlier, I thought he played well physically. It's just and, – and when I say he, he needs to take a step mentally, I, I don't want to try to insinuate that he's not smart or lacks football IQ or something along those lines. It's just since Joe has taken over as starting quarterback, the offense has been clunkier. From game to game, for the most part, there, there's been more pre-snap penalties. There's been less tempo. And, and, yes, it's harder to run tempo, like Hypo pointed out, after the game when you're behind the sticks. But I also believe, this is just my personal opinion, maybe I'm totally wrong on this, I think we're seeing less tempo because the coaches don't trust Joe and the rest of the players on offense to get lined up on time offensively and at the end of the day that's a reflection on the quarterback that is the quarterback's number one job before he even takes a throw is to make sure the offense is operating efficiently and to this point the offense just does not operate efficiently under Joe Milton I'd be a little more inclined to believe that if Cooper Mays had played the first three games of the season he hasn't and I think that's yeah that's fair he, he's really really important in in dictating tempo and it's not going to be the same without him out there uh, just like maybe you don't go missing a lot of tackles if Keenan Peely's in there at linebacker right I mean Elijah Herring had a couple really nice plays also had a couple tough moments in this game um, so I, I think that I just think of all the things in this team that I think maybe could be changed right now and so many people are just going to say well let's change the quarterback it's going to fix everything I, I just don't even think that comes close to assessing what's going on and what Tennessee needs. Might have to eat my words on that, but I, I just don't I don't think that there's any reason to believe that that helps Tennessee right now. And in a wacky SEC when anything could happen, I would not do that. Get back to me in like November maybe on that. And yeah, I, I think that's that's fair too that Cooper Mays being out has 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 only compounded whatever issues they've had with, you know, just the overall um, administration of the offense through the first three games but yeah I just Florida got its center back tonight and look what happened yeah I mean that's Florida did get its center back and and yeah they were they were a different looking offense I you know I, I'll, I'll say that you know I think Tennessee's offense certainly had some problems tonight I mean obviously 16 points wasn't going to be enough to win this game most likely so they they didn't do well enough 
Um, but I, I, I thought Florida or Tennessee's defense lost the game more than the offense did in a lot of ways. I, I just, I just think they let Florida dictate the tempo of the game and everything else. And that, and the length of Florida's drives took Tennessee's offense out of the game too, in a way that affected the offense. And, and sure, that's on the offense at the end of the day. But I just think everything the defense allowed to happen just kind of caused Tennessee to lose control of the game early on when they scored first and could have kind of put their foot on Florida's throat. Well, yes, they absolutely did. But Joe also put the defense in a, in a poor position on that interception. He did get hit, didn't allow him to, to step into the throw, but he was in the process of throwing in the triple coverage, which no guarantee that it gets picked off, but it, it wasn't going to be a completion to score white down the seam. I do think it, it looked open kind of early, but then Florida – Close that gap pretty quickly, but but that interception put the defense in, in a really really bad spot after they had already gotten off to a rough start as well. That 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 did not help the issue. Now I think there's an interesting discussion before we wrap this up that Tennessee's in a different position now, right? The SEC still wide open. Even you know Georgia struggled a little bit with South Carolina before putting the Gamecocks away there in the second half in that game uh, today in Athens. So. A lot of weird things can still happen, but, you know, it's always interesting in a season when a team gets hit in the mouth for the first time, especially when you're a program that relies so much on those good vibes. You're a good vibes program right now. Everybody comes into the complex feeling good. Everything's good. And even when you took some of those setbacks the first couple of years at times, it's like, okay, still like ahead of where it should be, yada, yada. This is now an interesting slash potentially dangerous time for Tennessee because now a lot of people have been brought back down to earth. Now you're bleeding a little bit. Now you might have guys have the urge to point some fingers and do some of those things and say, this team should not be where it is right now. Why is it here right now? You can come out of that and get better, or you can kind of fall into it and get worse. And how Tennessee handles that, it's not just some of the physical stuff. Like, you know, we'll see how they go, how the rest of the season goes, injuries, yada, yada, whatever happens. But, like, mentally right now, there, there's some stuff that they got to get straight on, okay, why are some of these things happening and how can they stop happening and who are going to be the guys who step up and help make that happen because it needs to happen. Yeah, Joe talked about that after the game when he met with the media that uh, the team can go one or – one way or the other, and one way is it can galvanize a group and, and they can all come together and, and they can be better for this. Uh, the other possibility is they start pointing fingers like you just said, Wes, and uh, they, they they go their own separate ways. And at that point, boy, is it going to be a rough season. But uh, I still believe in, in Josh Heupel's culture and the program that he's built. Uh, I would I would be very surprised if, if this ended up going off the deep end. Um, Aaron Beasley, I asked him after the game if, if he thought that they had the leadership necessary to overcome this early season adversity, and he said that he thought that they did. Uh, but it's one thing to say it, it, it's another thing to prove it. So uh, as ugly as tonight was, Tennessee still had plenty of opportunities to pull off a miracle comeback. It, it, it's cleaning up the pre-snap penalties, and Tennessee probably wins that game, honestly. It, they, they probably come back and at least have – a two-minute offense opportunity to go to go win the football game. So uh, it's pro- it's never as bad as it seems, and it's never as good as it seems. So if, if they can get some of this pre-snap penalties uh, figured out, if they can get this offensive line sorted out, and, and then 
improve defensively somehow, then then they're probably not as far off as we expect. But somebody's got to step up, grab the bull by the horns, and and get this thing corrected. And it can't be just one guy either. Yeah, and, and I think the big thing is, I mean, not, coaches never worry about what's on the schedule either um, because you, you worry about yourself. You don't worry about what's going on around you. But I think the reality is what, what's going on around Tennessee, that they're still going to be favored to win a lot of games the rest of the way. And the ones that they're not favored to win, if that if there are any, they're, they're not going to be significant underdogs in, in most of them. They're, you know, Alabama looks very beatable right now. You know, we'll see what they're looking like a month from now. Uh, you know, Texas A&M has already had a loss to, to Miami. So a lot of these games on the schedule, they can absolutely win as long as they take care of what's ailed them the, the past couple weeks, and especially in this game. So they, they've got to get back to work. They, they need to, to rally around this and make this uh, a positive turning point in the season. But if they do that, this can still be a very good season for Tennessee, as we've seen many times before after a Tennessee loss at Florida. But, yeah, they, they've got to respond the right way. And I think the good thing for Tennessee is they got a bunch of seniors on this team that play a lot of football. I think there's a lot of maturity to this team that will serve them well in this situation. Well, I mean, this would be a good time to show some of that maturity. Um, you know, mature teams don't do some of the things Tennessee did tonight. So you've been brought down to earth a little bit. You've been humbled. You've been uh, reminded of some things that are not acceptable, and we'll see what Tennessee does about that. Just like uh, we will go back and listen to the audio quality of this podcast and probably uh, say that uh, we need to clean up some things too. But uh, that's okay. We have edit buttons and things, so maybe we can go do that. We'll have plenty to discuss on Monday. Uh, There will be obviously a lot of bones to pick over. We'll go back and see some stuff from this game, and we'll have maybe some different thoughts. Maybe we'll double down on some thoughts. Uh, maybe, Maybe we'll... We'll have a lot of interesting things to discuss. Maybe we'll see what the fallout from this is. But for now, uh, Tennessee is not where it wants to be, but still has a lot of runway uh, to, to land this plane. So we'll see if they can uh, sully it up and go go get that done. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, and you know what? Everybody in this car, thank you all for being here. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you, Patrick, for driving us back to our hotel. I'm glad we made it back safely. Thank you, guys. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time. 
answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.